The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, as we progress into the rainy season, it's likely that you've encountered mold at some point, either in your home or your office. It can be very toxic to your health. So listen closely and find out all you need to know to make sure your environment is mold-free. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, Heidi Ahrens is a board-certified family nurse practitioner from the Center of New Medicine in Irvine, California. Heidi received a Bachelor of Science in Nursing from Point Loma Nazarene University and a Master of Science in Nursing from Azusa Pacific University. In addition to her conventional training, she also specializes in integrative and functional medicine. This training has equipped her with an entirely new set of tools to help identify the underlying causes of disease or dysfunction and partners with patients to restore and maintain wellness and we welcome Heidi to the Mother's Market podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you. It's great to hear your background and why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show topic. So thank you. Yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner and I have um, done additional training in integrative and functional medicine which just means it is a combination of using all modalities to help patients not only reverse disease, but also prevent disease and achieve optimal health. So that may be a combination of conventional, what we call Western medicine or allopathic medicine, in addition to um, some of the other modalities that help us dig a little deeper to find the root cause of illness and the root cause of dysfunction and help to create balance and order um, and help people maintain optimal health in every stage of life. Great. Uh, It's nice to know. And um, today we're really going to dig deep. And we're talking about how to navigate mold-related illness. So let's ask, I'm going to ask the first question. We know buildings and food can get moldy, but how do people get moldy? Great question. So yeah, mold illness, some people may have heard of it. Um, Basically, this occurs when people are exposed to a moldy building. Typically, it's an inside building that they've lived in either in a home or in a workplace even in a car um, somewhere where there's been water damage typically that means a flood a leak it could be a a large leak from a sink a leak from an air conditioner unit an hvac unit um, refrigerators dishwashers anywhere where there's running water in a home or building there can be potential Mm -hmm. water damage and A lot of people don't realize that this can actually ignite a chronic illness in some people. And we know that black mold is toxic, but there are a lot of different kinds of molds that you may not smell and you may not see, and they can be equally as toxic. Um, And some people don't even know that they have a water damage in their home or, or office. And so they have a constant exposure that could be contributing to their illness. And there is actually a specific illness, a mold-related illness, um, that people can have chronically. And it causes a host of um, abnormalities and chronic dysfunction in the body. So identifying it and diagnosing it and treating it actually can get these people 
living a normal, healthy life again. So, wow, my mind is going like crazy right now. It's scary, first of all, but how how do you identify where these these molds exposures are? I mean, are there tests that well, you bring to them? Yeah, there's definitely actually a host of different testing options. Um, if you know that you've had water damage, um, typically there's been a flood or there's been a leak and you visibly see water damage. You may see the evidence of mold growing or smell, a musty smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the most easy and quick to identify. And you would then you know, get the proper um, mold inspection company out there for testing of that and then a full remediation. What can be really um, complex and frustrating is maybe there's mold in the home, but you don't see it or smell it. Mm. And so it's been a former water damaged area, a basement flood years ago, uh, a sink leak that leaks occasionally, but it's been going on for a long time, or even something behind a wall under a baseboard where you don't ever see it or smell it. And mm-hmm. so you don't even know it's there, but yeah. you could be potentially breathing in, um, the mycotoxins that those mold spores are producing. And and, and that's really where the illness comes in. That's really what frightens uh, me to hear this. But now can anyone get sick from that mold exposure? So if it's bad enough, anyone can get sick. Uh, mold is, we know that mold is toxic. And so if it is a highly, um, an, an area of the home or building that's highly damaged and there's a large mold issue anybody can get sick but where we tend to focus is we know that actually about 20 to 25 percent of the population has defects on their hla genes which are part of the immune system genes and for those people that's 20 percent of the population uh, for those people their immune systems don't mount the proper response so their immune systems recognize a problem, but they can't mount the proper response to actually create antibodies and help their immune system to actually get rid of these mold toxins, these mycotoxins. And they circulate in the body, Mm. they get reabsorbed in the body, and they continue to do damage. So it's those people who tend to come down with a mold-related illness. Um, And it's actually given a name, it's called chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So this, we call it SEERS for short. CIRS. Um, but these people who have had a mold exposure um, and they have that pre genetic predisposition on their HLA genes, they get sick and stay sick. Whereas other people who don't have those genetic defects, they get sick and their immune systems are robust. They can mount the proper response. And once they're out of the exposure, they get healthy and it's not a chronic problem. Mm-hmm. When those people with the HLA defects get exposed, there's enough response to create inflammation, but there's not enough of a correct response to repair and remove the damage. Um, so what do those symptoms look like? And are there specific symptoms that are associated with that mold-related illness? Yeah, there is actually a host of symptoms, but it can be um, quite confusing because these symptoms are symptoms that we see in the general public with other conditions. So it can be head to toe. It's considered a multi-system, multi-symptom illness, meaning there are, you typically don't just have one symptom, there's many, and it's not affecting just one part of the body, it's affecting um, many systems within the body. So that can be um, neurologic symptoms like 
confusion, um, trouble assimilating new knowledge, trouble with word finding. You're, you're speaking and you're thinking of the word, but you cannot grasp that word to speak it out. Um, you can have numbness and tingling, electric shocks that are giving you a, a shock sensation somewhere on the body. You can have blurred vision, red eyes, tearing, eye tearing. Um, there can be chronic allergies from mold. Um, so you can have, a lot of people do have mold allergies. They have an IgE allergic response to mold, especially if it's ingested from food. Um, but this type of an allergy is a mast cell activation um, response that creates histamine, mm. which will give you those allergy type symptoms. You will have, uh, could have palpitations, rashes, um, hives, sneezing, itching, uh, you know, runny nose, watery eyes, those histamine type symptoms, um, chronic lung issues like a chronic cough, mm. shortness of breath. Um, actually, in end stages, we see um, interstitial lung disease and actual lung disease that we can identify on, on various uh, imaging studies. Um, even asthma-type symptoms, they may have pulmonary function testing, um, and everything's coming back normal, but they have allergies, or uh, excuse me, asthma symptoms. So they have wheezing and a cough and shortness of breath but their pulmonary function tests are fine. Um, they can also have gastrointestinal symptoms. So one of the things that goes wrong with this illness um, actually t loosens up the tight junctions in our gut and creates leaky gut or intestinal permeability. So with that comes food sensitivities, um, malabsorption of nutrients, a lot of gut symptoms like gas and bloating, constipation, diarrhea. Um, people get the label of IBS mm. um, because of those symptoms, um, but there could be something else causing it. Um, mm. Also, muscle pains, muscle aching, twitching, um, frequent urination, and trouble with maintaining water and electrolyte balance. So the, these people are sweating constantly, they're peeing constantly, they're constantly thirsty and can't get enough hydration or maintain hydration. Um, and then we also see kind of this chronic inflammatory response. So aches and pains and headaches and um, kind of general symptoms. Like I just, I don't feel well ever since I moved into that home, I haven't felt right. Or ever since I went, started at that school, I just haven't felt right. Or if I go away, one of the key things that we ask people are if you leave the home for a week, you go on vacation, or you go camping, or you actually leave your environment, do you feel a lot better? Do your chronic symptoms tend to go away when you're out of that environment? And then when you come back home, they creep back up. Mm -hmm. So it test. can be quite confusing because a lot of these patients have symptoms where they accrue labels over time. They have some, you know, symptoms that look like uh, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or depression or anxiety or IBS, or even some neurologic um, conditions mm -hmm. that they're given those labels, but maybe the underlying cause is actually um, this inflammatory response. 
That is a very wide variety or an array of um, different symptoms. So how, is there a way to test for this specific mold-related illness in our bodies? Yes, there is. Um, we have actually narrowed in on a lot of different testing options. Um, one of the first things we'll do is have people complete a survey of symptoms, okay. um, similar to what I just mentioned, to try to identify these clusters of symptoms um, because they're very unique to what's actually physiologically going on in the body. Um, the other thing we do is first out of the gate is a vision test, mm -hmm. a visual contrast screen. And it's actually not evaluating vision in terms of can you see 2020, but it's looking at contrast. Are you able to distinguish differences in contrast when you're given images mm -hmm. of lines on a screen with a background? Really? I've color. never even heard of that. Before. And it's because of the inflammation that occurs to the optic nerve and the hypoperfusion, meaning the lack of circulation to the optic nerve that causes a inability to distinguish contrast. And is this and a so, new test that there that you've offered this visual? Test? Well, it's actually not new. It's been around actually for, for decades. Wow. In fact, it was created by the military. Oh. Um, and so it's, it's been around quite a long time, but we now know that it is, um, very sensitive and specific for this type of inflammation. And so it's a test that you can do on your computer at home. Really? Um, the survivingmold.com website has this test available. It's $15, takes 10 minutes, and it's very easy to do, and it's actually very accurate. Hmm. Um, you do need to have at least 20-50 vision, and you can wear your glasses or contacts when you take it. But we have people take that test right away. Mm -hmm. um, and the symptom survey along with this vision test helps to kind of say, okay, if both those are positive, we need to dig deeper yeah. and then we can do lab testing. So we aren't doing regular lab testing in terms of, um, looking at general inflammatory markers. We're looking at very specific inflammatory markers of the innate immune system. So they're often tests that no one has ever run before mm -hmm. um, and that they're very, very abnormal. When we get these tests back and it's a mold-related illness, especially in someone with that HLA gene defect, mm -hmm. uh, we see very clear changes in these blood labs, these blood markers. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing we do is we start looking at the environment itself. Yeah. Is we look, we do air testing um, we will advise people to have a mold inspection in their home or office or wherever the water damage is suspected and do air testing. Also drywall testing if there's actual um, damage on a drywall or baseboard or, or something like that. And then the third thing is ERMI testing, E-R-M-I. Mm. It stands for the Environmental Relative Moldiness Index. Mm. And it's actually um, PCR testing, and it's looking for the gene of a uh, mold organism. So whether that mold organism is current and active and alive or dead from many, many years ago, if we pick this up on a test in the home, um, there's a high suspicion of actual mold damage um, going on in the home. And so it doesn't necessarily tell us where in the home it's coming from because you take dust samples from the whole home. Um, but we have people go around their home, get dust samples, um, also from their AC unit or HVAC unit. Um, and we want to really look at dust in the home to try to identify, is there a high evidence of, 
a mold exposure going on. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a former water damage years ago, there could still be dust floating around with these mycotoxins being released that are continuing to make you sick. And so we want to identify that right away. Wow. So that um, so you're saying you kind of end with that ermi. Um, well, there, and, and then, then the, you can actually test um, mycotoxins, or it's the toxin that a mold spore produces. You can test that in the body through urine testing. Mm-hmm. And there's various theories on whether that's just testing any kind of contamination from food or if it's really testing um, the relative amount of mycotoxin in the body. We have to pull that mycotoxin out of where it's stored. So there's a little bit of a technique to doing that, but that is another option for testing the human body as well. This is fascinating. I haven't heard this so specific. Um, This is really interesting information. We need to take a quick break, uh, more in just a moment. So don't go away. We will be right back with Heidi Aaron. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with board-certified family nurse practitioner Heidi Ahrens. And yeah, we're talking about a really disgusting subject, mold, but something that's so very important and um, mold-related illness. And just off-air, we were talking about the, gene- uh, the geographic areas that people are most susceptible to getting these. Let's, let's open that So most of the time we think of moldy homes or moldy buildings, and we think of, okay, the most wet places, you know, in our country or in the world, and we think the... Um, the Pacific Northwest gets a ton of rain. And so that whole entire area geographically tends to be very moist, having a lot of water damage. Um, There's a higher incidence of mold-related illness in those areas for that reason. Um, But also, if there's ever a natural disaster, you know, a flood, a hurricane, um, anything where there's a ton of water damage, downpour of rain, a rainy season, where there could be water intrusion into a home or building. That's something to be aware of and to really seek out testing. Um, Because even if you're not genetically susceptible um, with your HLA defects, if the exposure is severe enough, it can override those genes and really affect anybody if it's severe enough. And it's really the immune system that goes haywire with this illness. And so you have a chronic inflammatory response, but also immune suppression. 
mm-hmm. um, with this illness. And so we want to identify it early. The other thing is what we often may not think about is the coastal areas where there's high humidity, mm-hmm. um, places along the ocean, um, along lakes, areas where there's just a lot of moisture in the air, it tends to harbor more mold or create environments where mold will grow. Um, so that's something to be aware of. If there's poor ventilation in a home or building and you happen to be in an area where there's high humidity or high moisture, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be actual flooding or leaking, but any kind of water damage like that could potentially um, cause a problem for your health. So that's something to be aware of. Wow, that's interesting and good good to know. Um, I want to go back a little bit on uh, mold-related illnesses. When it is diagnosed, what does the treatment look like? So the treatment is actually quite interesting. So most of the time with mold-related illness, um, we have to start by getting this mycotoxin out of the body. And what happens is molds produce, it's not so much the mold spore that's producing the illness, but molds produce what we call mycotoxins. And these are very toxic substances that in the body create an inflammatory response by raising cytokines, which are inflammatory proteins. Those cytokines tell our immune systems it's under attack. And so when those cytokines start to rise in the body, um, you get a host of different inflammatory um, effects. But what happens is the mycotoxin will float around the body. If you have an intact immune system, your liver can break this down and eliminate it, or your immune system can break it down and you eliminate it. And then when you're out of the exposure, you heal and you're fine. People with DHLA defects, their immune systems respond to the cytokine, but they can't mount the response and build the antibodies and actually eliminate it from the body. So what happens is it circulates through the body and goes to different tissues, but it will primarily go through the liver into the bile. Mm. And then we have what we call enterohepatic circulation, where we will reabsorb bile and use it again and again. Mm. And so when those mycotoxins have found their way into the bile, we recirculate a lot of that. If it doesn't go out to the stool, it recirculates. And so these people who are are struck with this illness, they get sick, and then this is how they stay sick wow. because this recirculation of mycotoxins just keeps floating around the body. So we actually use a treatment, um, primarily cholesteramine, um, which is a medication that's a bile acid sequestrant. And what that means is it's it's an old medication used for lowering cholesterol because it binds cholesterol out of the bile and moves it out through the stool. Interestingly enough, um, mycotoxins have a very negative charge and the cholesteramine has a very positive charge. And so the cholesteramine can bind because of the opposite polarity, it binds to the mycotoxin, pulls it out of the bile and into the stool and eliminated there for from the body. So we use large, large doses of these of bile acid sequestrants um, over time and titrate people up slowly. And then it pulls this mycotoxin. You get the body burden of mycotoxin out. Mm. And then you can start to heal the other components of the immune system. But without getting this bile toxin out, um, or excuse me, the toxin out of the bile, it'll recirculate and they remain sick. So that's step one. The next step is now repairing um, first, the cell membranes that get affected. So these inflammatory cytokines and this immune dysregulation actually creates um, ceramides and lipid rafts within the cell membrane and the mitochondrial leaflet 
that creates sticky cells, cells that stick together, and the cell membrane gets compromised. So it's almost like a shock effect to the cell membrane, which means your ability to get nutrients into the cell is compromised. Your ability to get toxins out of the cell is compromised. Cells start to stick together, and they don't communicate well. So cell-to-cell communication is compromised. That means healing, you know, overall healing gets compromised. So we actually do a lipid a therapy or an oil change um, with these people. And we use several different types of lipids that will help to restore the cell membrane. And over time, their membranes become more functional and that detoxification can then occur. Um, we also calm down the inflammatory response with a number of different things, things that will affect brain inflammation, gut inflammation, vessel inflammation, um, just to start calming that down. Um, some people will have a resistant bacterial infection in their nose or sinuses from this. And so we use um, medications to actually get rid of that. And then there's additional things we can do to start healing the brain. Hmm. One of the testing methods, interestingly, is um, a NeuroQuant MRI, um, which is basically a regular MRI without contrast. And there's a... Um, another component to analyzing this MRI that will show changes in the brain due to mold. Mm -hmm. And so as people go through this treatment, we will see that actually reverse. Um, we know the brain has neuroplasticity and can actually heal. And so once people go through this treatment, we can actually monitor changes in the brain um, and overall healing in the brain over time as they get better. And then we also see um, improvements in that visual contrast test as well. That's fascinating. Something occurred to me, though, and I just want to ask you quickly. When I think it was when you were mentioning the, the bile toxins. Does, do people turn a different color? Is there, are they more yellow? Or is there something visible that you can see on somebody or their eye color or anything? Oh, that's an interesting question. It doesn't really have to do with, um, like, if someone's jaundice. Yes, yeah. Because they have liver damage or liver failure. Um, no, it doesn't raise bilirubin. So you won't see yellowing of the skin, yellowing of the eyes like you do in regular liver disease. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that's a good question. But it doesn't affect the liver in that component. Okay. So visibly, you typically won't see much in the way of physical um, it's internal rather changes, than... Changes, mostly internal, although you may be able to see tremors. Mm -hmm. You may be able to see um, profuse sweating, people who are just sweating constantly. Um, you may see other physical signs. Hmm. Um, how do you test your home or your office for mold? So there's a number of different things you can do. Um, like I said, the ERMI testing, yeah. which really is becoming more and more well-known. It was actually, um, the um, ERMI testing was actually um, created by the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm. Um, and it is recognized as one of the ways to identify mold in a home. Um, you can do air sampling, both inside and outside the home, to compare um, any mold in the air mm -hmm. versus mold that's just floating around outside from plants. Right. Um, and then you can also test the drywall or areas of actual water damage on a piece of plywood or something like that. Okay. And if you find that mold is in your home, how do you remediate it? So this is where um, you really want to get a, a company that knows what they're doing and can, can come in and um, create a very safe place to remediate. You don't want to start remediating without um, 
creating barriers so that you actually disperse those mold spores throughout the home. Um, you don't want to just bring a fan in right away and start spewing mold spores everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, you want people who are well-trained um, to, to protect the rest of the home. Um, you definitely want to make sure that any area of water damage, that you get rid of that damaged area. You don't want to leave any water damage wood or plywood or anything like that in the home and then also um you want to if you do have evidence of water damage you want to cut two feet away from that area kind of like we do when we we're treating cancer and we're creating clean margins we want to create clean margins for areas of water damage as well and you said that that mold is like a cancer so that's you want to get it all around exactly you want to get all of it um and also um one thing that is also very important is retesting the home afterwards to make sure that there is no more evidence of mold. Um, and whether that's another ERMI test, another air test, um, you want to make sure that your home or building or anywhere where you're spending a lot of time is clean. And so there can be a wide range of um, companies that offer remediation and testing. You, you want to find a company for testing anyway, that's a third-party company mm-hmm. that is going to come in and just do air testing that doesn't have any affiliation with the remediation portion. Hmm. That's, um, that's another thing to know, too, just because you want to make sure that these people have no interest in in the remediation portion, um, that they're just giving you objective testing of the mold itself. That's great advice there. How is mold allergy, how is it a different than from um, the mold toxicity illness. Yeah, so a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm allergic to mold. I, you know, if I get exposed to moldy food or something or mold in some kind of food product, I'll, I'll get hives or wheezing or coughing or something like that. And if we test them for a mold allergy, they'll have an IgE antibody response. Meaning if we test their blood, we'll see elevated IgE antibodies to mold. And so that's the adaptive portion of the immune system. This, however, is dealing with the innate portion of the immune system. So not antibodies, but really there's a a different side of the immune system that gets affected by this. So this is a chronic inflammatory condition from uh, mold exposure. And so it really, you, it'll be worse if they eat, um, food related products that could have mold in it. Um, however, the testing and the the treatment is completely different. Um, So it's not an IgE-mediated issue. It's really an innate immune immune system issue. And then if um, if we don't see visible black mold, does that mean that the home is mold-free? Not necessarily. It's a great question. So everyone thinks of mold as being black. It's visible. I can see it. I can smell it. It's musty smelling. Um, but there, that's only a couple different strains of mold. There are hundreds of strains of mold that you cannot see, you cannot smell. So you may not know that they're there. And that's something to be aware of. Um, this can be a very silent disease in that regard because you don't see it, you don't smell it. You don't think there, that's a problem. However, if you are someone who has been dealing with chronic illness, you have um, chronic ongoing inflammatory issues, um, you have resistant weight loss or hormonal dysregulation that's just not getting better, or you've been um, chronically sick 
and just not responding to whatever therapy that you're pursuing, one thing to consider is mold um, or this, this Sears syndrome. And you really uh, describe so many symptoms in there. So um, I think this is great advice. How often should we test for mold? Well, that's another tricky question because it, it in the testing the body and testing the home for mold can be expensive. It can be quite confusing. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, it's not 100% perfect. So it's kind of one of those illnesses where you have to bring in some objective testing methods as well as the clinical picture and merge those two things together. So if someone's being treated for mold, but they're not getting better, you suspect ongoing exposure. Um, And that would require further testing, both um, the home, the office, or possibly just keep testing the body if we not gotten rid of it. Um, And then if, if you are in a home where you just don't feel right, you can't see mold, um, but you have a chronic condition like um, an immunosuppressive condition, um, cancer, or some kind of immune dysregulation, um, I think it would be wise to do some investigation. Maybe, you know, maybe there is some mold going on here that was never identified. Wow. Um, also, um, if there's been water damage, but you suspect maybe it wasn't dealt with appropriately. That would be another reason. What if um, once recovered from the mold illness, how do we prevent that re-exposure? I think you started talking about that a little bit, but what do we do to not be So one thing you can do is just be very, very cautious of if you're buying a new home, if you're entering a new office building, asking, has there been water damage in this building that you're aware of and how was it dealt with um, or how was it tested for? Um, just being aware of the different methods of testing. A lot of people think, oh, I had that place remediated, it's perfectly fine. But if it wasn't remediated appropriately or there's a new water damage that occurs, um, you definitely want to look deeper into that. Um, Also, um, if you're someone with that HLA defect, um, you're, you're very susceptible to being exposed again in another building. And so knowing your HLA gene status in, is very helpful yeah. for these people because they know how sick they have gotten. And if they've gotten better, they want to remain as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned earlier about um, some people do t- say I'm allergic to mold, but I, aren't we kind of all allergic to mold? That depends on the amount, I suppose. Right. right. Yeah, I think it's pretty much toxic in everybody, yeah. but... Um, if you're someone with that HLA yeah. defect or it's a, a chronic exposure or a very severe exposure, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it can make you very sick. And so it's, it's good to at least be aware of um, so that you're aware of the foods that tend to promote mold and then you're aware of also um, water damage as well. So um, Heather, what um, overall advice would you give to people when it comes to mold? I'm sorry, Heidi. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Overall advice is I think it's one of those illnesses that people don't really know much about. They've heard that it could be bad, but don't really know the severity or why it's so bad. And so just raising awareness of of what mold illness is and how do you get it? And then if you have it, how do you get better? Um, I'm really passionate about this investigation because it's, I think, affecting a lot of people 
um, 20% of 20 to 25% of people have this genetic predisposition towards this. And then 50% of buildings have been um, identified as being having some kind of water damage. And that was actually investigated um, in 2011. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, they did a survey um, investigating homes in the United States, or not homes, but just buildings in the United States, and found that 50% of buildings wow. actually could have some water damage. So this has the potential to affect a lot of people. Yeah, you can see your passion, and you are very well wor- versed in this, but that is an amazing statistic, too, that 50% of buildings have water damage. So thank you. This has been eye-opening and scary. <laughs> but thank you for attacking this. Uh, we uh, Great advice, Heidi, and um, we really appreciate having you on again. In the meantime, you can get more information on Heidi, and the website is centerfornewmedicine.com. We look forward to your next visit. Thank you so much. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.